Welcome to Moot, the podcast where mistakes are guaranteed and our point is Moot. I am your co-host, Jeremy, and with us is our other co-host, Joe. Hello. Today, we are talking about competitiveness and maybe aggression. I don't know what we'll talk about. We're, we're talking about this. This is where I we start. I feel like aggression is kind of hand in hand with competitiveness. Yeah. Like, just like, I, I don't think you can be competitive and and also not be aggressive. I think those those are mutually inclusive. Like, we're not talking aggressive, like you don't have to go around and gouge people's eyes and like rip their testicles off and eat them in front of them, you know? That's not a level of aggression, but you need some form of like drive and, you know, I want to get you, I want to do this, I want to get this, I want to win, you know? That is a form of aggression. Yeah, I mean, there was a uh, watercolor competition at... Uh, one of the parks we went to they had like a whole bunch of it was a big big activity day for the watershed and they had a bunch of games and stuff for the kids and they had you know speaking stuff for the the adults teaching them about like water barrels and water conservation methods and stuff and there was this one spot where they had a watercolor station and the kids were, were coloring and there was this like 40 year old man like he, so the, all the kids were sitting down and the one kid says I'm going to draw a picture before you do to his friend. And then some other girl goes, I'll do my picture first. And it's like all the kids get in, but this like 40 year old guy was like, I'm also, I'm also part of this. And the goal was they had to fill out, they had to color, they had to paint the whole paper. And when everything was painted, they were done. And this guy, you know, painted as fast as he could. His drawing was not nearly as good as some of the other kids. And he finished and he stood up. He held the painting like above his head. He's like, I'm done. I win. <laughs> and it's like, these, these are like 12 year olds, man. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. I'm a very competitive person and I don't know what was going through his head. I mean, he, I, was, were all the was, kids his? I don't think so. Cause there were like seven of them there. Was this guy like, uh, like, I don't know, like retarded in some way. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think so. I mean, he didn't was seem... He just a, or was he just like a strange adult? I think he was just a strange adult. I mean, there were, I don't know because who knows, but there were no outward signs. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, okay. So it's like, if if there's anything with him, it's all on the inside of the head, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he could have still been autistic, but it, it wasn't... Uh, he, uh, honestly, like, whatever his problem was, like, he doesn't need a diagnosis, but he definitely had a problem. <laughs> he definitely had a problem and if it wasn't clinical then he still had a problem yeah yeah whatever the hell was going on there there was a problem <laughs> and i would say that's that's an aggressive thing to do even though he's not slapping the kids yeah, yeah i mean blatant aggression <laughs> i mean i never thought i would hear a story about a guy painting aggressively but yeah if there is a way to do that that's the way he did that yes. <laughs> There's no fucking way he was any any level of Zen or Bob Rossian about that. <laughs> and it was just such a weird thing. I observed the whole thing because Sarah was taking the kids to go to the bathroom. And I was just watching from the side. Uh, I think this is still when we had this stroller. So we had our stroller loaded up with things and there was always a guard, you know. Everybody else goes on the bathroom break and the, the guard parent watches the stuff. And... Yeah, I, I don't know. I just witnessed this and it stuck with me. I, I, I don't remember any of like the seminar type stuff I saw. I don't barely remember the games. There was a, uh, I remember some of the playing some of the things, games with the kids, but I very distinctly remember that. <laughs> it, that's not a thing you would forget. No. That's like a thing you could be a reliable eyewitness in court four years later and you'd still know that guy. <laughs> it's, it's, an, it's an aggressive memory. It won't, that, it won't go away. Yeah, <laughs> he invaded the competition and your heart. <laughs> so would you consider yourself an aggressive or a competitive person? I might consider myself an aggressive person, but not a competitive person. Okay. It's no, I'm, I'm joking. Yeah. I'm not a very aggressive person. I'm quite chill, except for when I'm not. Uh, but I'm not very competitive, no. Yeah. I mean, people say I'm competitive. That's a phone. I gotta hang up on that right now. <laughs> there we go. This time, our, uh, our our music interlude was built in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I don't. I thought that you were very competitive when we first met. Um, because we met, we were trying to do that that achievement in the battle, like with with the where you had to fight somebody who had beaten a developer, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You had that achievement, so I figured that you would like just get a unit of peasants and I would just like steamroll it to get the achievement and go on. But then I looked over and I saw you had like a full army rushing at me and I had memed a bunch of artillery and so you yeah. just made my artillery. I was like, Oh, I guess we're fighting real battles. I may have seemed like I was competitive, but that is the thing is like with total war, I have no experience with the multiplayer and like I basically got the achievement by randomly joining like 2v2 battles and then my teammate kind of carried me to victory in a siege battle okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it's like uh yeah like when i was like fighting you i thought like oh okay he'll probably try to fight me i should do something so uh, but i was expecting to lose too because that was kind of the point yeah so i just like had a wall of skeletons and zombies march on you assuming that you would you know deal with it easily well and blood knights you had some blood knights too well yeah because it would be so boring to just watch the skeletons walk if i didn't have something to manage (laughs) so the blood knights went through and just devastated my artillery because that's all i I didn't even have infantry i just had artillery (laughs) (laughs) I, i i think i picked the dwarves and just did a bunch of organ guns but yeah and the thing is is when we play stuff like even even word feud i thought you'd be like super competitive about word feud too no so so we did we did this app joe invited me to play this scrabble app called word feud and we played a few games and then like i was trying to get him to play and then i tried to get sarah to play and she played a few games and then she resigned and i like tried to get evelyn to play and she quit playing yeah jeremy is just fucking awful to play with man (laughs) <laughs> it's like i don't mean to trash him obviously i mean i do but you know he is just awful to play games with he's a sweet character but holy hell so exp- explain <laughs> well here's the thing right you definitely cheat <laughs> like oh so <laughs> You see, he's not even going to deny it. And if he is denying it, he's a liar. So he doesn't want to do that. Uh, The way Jeremy plays Word Feud, and mind you, he has never said anything about this. uh, And there's no evidence whatsoever. I just know it to be true. Uh, The way he plays Word Feud is that I think he gets like a second app or something like Scrabble, or maybe he has a list of words somewhere. Because every time he makes a word, it's a seven letter word. And it's not true at all. Always, always some kind of strange esoteric word that I know for a fact that he does not fucking know. There's no way he knows that word because that (laughs) word isn't a real word. It's some kind of Scrabble cheat code word. Some (laughs) bullshit word with like seven Zs in it. You know? Are you Uh, still mad about Zetans? You see, that's not a word. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, of course it is a word because it worked in, in the app, but you no. did not know that word until you Googled it. Using no, seven words and letters. are an organic compound. I learned it in organic chemistry. Yeah, that's what you, that's the story you built <laughs> after the fact. Uh, I would I do the same thing. You. A scheming little piece of. <laughs> I can assure you I am not using. <laughs> I'm sure you can assure me, but it won't be true. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to convince you. I just, I really like Scrabble games. Yeah, yeah, you really like to win. That's what you like to do. It's true. I do like to win. I'm very competitive about it, but I don't cheat because that would that would that would cheapen the victory. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't actually seriously think he cheats. <laughs> I, I actually do. Actually, <laughs> lick, lick, lick my balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what? Okay, what about not word feud though? Like. Because we've played other games together competitively. Yeah. What? We've only played Total War, haven't we? We've played Total War. We've done Heroes of Might and Magic. Um, We did uh, Age of Mythology. Wait, did we actually play Heroes of Might and Magic? Didn't we just plan to do that? 
No, we did a we did a whole match. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah. You took my castle when I was away. <laughs> Not only that, I found an <laughs> I found an item that was very valuable against. Uh, me. Ugh. Uh, just like uh, just for everyone that's like wise enough to listen to this podcast just spread the word do not play with jeremy (laughs) just don't save yourself the pain and suffering i was follow i was following his guy around i had a thing that increased his eyesight and when i leveled him up i made sure to put it in more points into the eyesight thing so you couldn't see me but i could see you and i just kept you around my field of vision and followed you Uh around awful it's awful <laughs> when you left the city i took it and then when i found your army you couldn't cast any magic with your very magic hungry faction i know <laughs> and, and it's, it was just so awful because i was like i was so confident it's like just like okay if i meet him that's no biggie i'll i'll take him out i'll take out that sucker right yeah I, I show up and i'm like okay okay let's let's just let's just school this piece of shit and then it's like what what the spell book's meaningless i'm meaningless you know it's awful (laughs) suddenly i'm sitting there with a bunch of bones and nothing to do (laughs) well because the the undead faction they're they're very magic heavy and they have tons and tons and tons of chaff they just throw out skeletons and zombies and they overwhelm you and your goal is to to kill as many as possible and try not to die to the spells they throw at you. But I found this item that prevents spell casting. And yeah. So in Heroes of Might and Magic, he just turned it into Heroes of Might. <laughs> and, and, and my soldiers don't even have like tissue. Right. <laughs> I went around <laughs> collecting like tier six monsters from various areas and I just brought them all. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. And like another another thing, like we we last time we played Total War together. Like, I know I, I always delete my old saves when a new patch comes because you know why keep out of date saves, right? Yeah. Like three months after the patch was well out of date, like Jeremy still kept going. Like, hey, we should finish that game we had. We should finish that game we had. We should finish that game we had. And it's like, no, well, let's just make a new one. It's like, no, let's just finish that game we had. And, you know, eventually he caved in when he realized I wasn't going to fucking play the thing. Uh, and he was like, okay, because you see, I had a bunch of under cities under every fucking city in the world, including like all of mine. So he was just probably waiting five turns to detonate my entire country. <laughs> I had, it was, all of my under cities were definitely under yours. What I did was I sent one to Zuffbar and I dropped an under city there. And I was lucky you didn't see me. Because I came through the mountain passes, which that's my favorite mountain pass when you're playing Manfred. And then my other one I sent north, like up above, like Tal- like Talibheim up there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I started just building a ton of undercities, like through your empire. We were on turn like 80. So I, every single city that you had, I had an undercity under. Yeah, that, that is literally a ticking time bomb. Yeah, it was good. Really- God. Yeah, I really, no wonder, I really did want to finish that game. I wanted to see. Of that course, game. you did, you fiend. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, no we, played, we played Civ Six together too. Yeah, we did. We did. We didn't finish that either. No. But uh, like, at that point, I was a little more aware of who you were, <laughs> and I had already warned Charlie about it. So we had planned to like, just gang up on you and kill you. But yeah. I'm not even sure that would have worked because I'm pretty sure you planned for that. Oh, you guys, you guys made an alliance really early because you, when you declare your friendship, I, I could see it, and yeah, that was troubling. And then I, I needed, I was really far ahead of you guys both in science, and I was building, um, I was building something that was like one or two full eras ahead of your units. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I was like mass building a bunch of cavalry and I was going to come and just sweep you out of the way. And I didn't think that mm-hmm. Charlie had enough in position that she would have been able to stop me because uh, five of my cities were all building cavalry full time and I had eight cavalry units kind of hidden so you guys wouldn't see them. We are planning to do an episode of this podcast, by the way, that is like about civilization. We never did one, but we 
plan to do. That's why we play that game. Yeah. Uh, but we will get back to that at some point. And well, maybe then, <laughs> yeah, and then and then and then Charlie will Charlie will be a part of that. Um, oh because, yeah, I can't wait to have her on the podcast. It's gonna be exciting. Yeah, yeah, we we're absolutely we're absolutely gonna like gang up on Jeremy, and it's not gonna be gentle. <laughs> and like, I'm obviously just like a, a little sidekick in that fight, but Charlie's really good at Civ. Like, I introduced her to Civ like last November, and she's already like going through every civilization, beating them on deity. <laughs> That's. That's that's what I like to hear. Yeah, yeah, she she's 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 like uh, uh she's she's more more machine than man, you know. <laughs> she's she's got that cyborg brain going, ticking away, plot through really next moment, absorbing new knowledge. Yeah. Well, civilization is great for machine-like thinking because it's so based on like adjacency bonuses and just placement, and the faster you can see the benefits and absorb all the benefits that you get from different things. Yeah, just like random stuff like campus, you know, science campuses get bonuses from rainforest and, you know, nonsense like that. Um, commercial, commercial hubs get plus two if they're built next to a river. And yeah, it's, just, it's funny. She showed me like how she built the city once, like while I was playing and she was like hanging out with me and uh, then she was like, okay, let's, let's, uh, plan a city up there then and uh she planned out every fucking district from the city before the settler was even halfway up there yeah and it was a good plan it was a really good plan she had like set up all the synergies between different districts and stuff to get great yields and once i built that city yeah plan fucking worked great yields everywhere she predicted it the only thing she missed in her prediction was the gold yield, because I got one more gold than what she predicted I would get. But that is because I built, you know, a, a wonder that she hadn't told told me to build. Gotcha. So yeah, her prediction's pretty spot on. Like it's on Nostradamus level shit right there. Well, maybe, maybe we'll. I should do a one on one one on one against her. No, you're not going to do that because you're going to cheat. So you know, <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna, you're. <laughs> gonna have to deal with like harassment from from me while she builds up the force that actually kills you <laughs> i mean i'll take you both on that's fine uh, I, I know i the worst thing is i'm pretty sure you're still gonna win <laughs> uh, she, it, 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 it scares me that she has the, the fact that you guys were both working together in the first game uh yeah. from the get-go I didn't. I didn't know if you guys were, but it would get weirdly silent sometimes, and I'd hear. I'd hear your guys' cell phones go off. So I assume you guys were texting. Each other. <laughs> and we are so bad at scheming. <laughs> that immediately set off little alarm bells. Like it would get real quiet, and then I'd hear like texting, and then you guys would be like, "Oh well, okay, then my turn's over." <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we we're no good at scheming. And then the friendship, the friendship was was declared. And I was like, "Oh, this is all sorts of bad." And yeah. that's that's that was when I decided I was going to uh, neuter your religion for just long enough that I could build all my campuses for free. Yeah, or my campus buildings, my theater and campus buildings for free. I I still maintain that uh, that your actions against my religion was uh, an extra act of extreme Islamophobia. <laughs> it's not, not my fault that you picked Islam and wouldn't go with turtles all the way down, which is what. My no, 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 no. It's the one true religion. I, I every every one of our listeners will agree with that. Turtles all the way down is the one true religion. No, it's it's Islam, <laughs> the one true religion, the final religion. <laughs> now, does the final religion mean like the last religion ever? What yeah, is- yeah, I think so. I think that's part of the part of their doctrine. It's like the, like Muhammad was the greatest and the final prophet. He's the, like the last prophet. Yeah. Like you, you'd think all religions make that claim, right? Apparently Islam is like the only major religion that actually makes that claim. What if it's like the last samurai and that means religions are just going out of style? Oh my God. Maybe that's what it actually, maybe that's the real prophecy. <laughs> but it marks the beginning of the decline of, of religion. Yeah. I mean, there are more atheists now than there ever have been, I would assume, you know. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. 
in terms of percentage at least not volume no no for sure for sure it must be because like even even before organized religion like people were pretty fucking superstitious people are superstitious by nature it's like a survival instinct to be superstitious yeah mm-hmm. yeah like uh, if you have two, if you have two people wandering around in the jungle right in like prehistoric times and yeah. one of them here is rustling in the grass and assumes that it's the wind you know he's probably right but the other one who assumes it's a tiger is almost never right. But the one time he's right, he's the one who lives. So, you know, his genetic line continues. The other guy got a little too cocky on that 1% of, you know, chances. He, he you know, he's wiped out. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, superstition or at least the, the uh, ability to give agency where there is not necessarily agency is uh, that's a pretty strong survival instinct. I think that's also why we sometimes negotiate with our cars to make them start. Like, oh, please, oh, God, come on, please. I'll, I'll change your oil if you just, if you just, you know. Yeah. It's an item. It, 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 we can't negotiate with it. We still try. Yeah. And, and I wonder, now I'm starting to think, is it, because I'm thinking about not just religion, but the fear of other things. Because... That's another survival instinct that I think is tied to it, where your fear of the other keeps you alive because you automatically mistrust things that are different. So, you know, keeps you from doing things like trying every berry you find in the wild or trusting mm-hmm. every every tribe that you meet along the way. Yeah, I mean, that's the origin of racism and xenophobia too, isn't it? It is, it is. And so survival now that we have... That served us well in the past and is currently tearing us apart. Yeah, it worked for a really long time because, you know, everybody was spread out. But now that we know a lot more, we have a lot less to be superstitious of, provided you absorb enough knowledge to lose the fear of it. Yeah. Fear of something is lost when blah, blah, blah. I think that it's losing its place in society. But I'm also wondering if it makes people more competitive and aggressive just to be like, because fear, fear definitely instigates aggression at least i think competitiveness is a really big part of just being human because we even now we compete against other nations like even when even when you're like what am i trying to say here even even if you're not like uh uh, like nationalistic uh by nature right like you're not particularly proud or like you, you're not fearful of other nations. You're still aware of where your nation fails. Like even if you're not like, oh, I'm so much better than like the India, right? <laughs> then at least like you'll still be critical to your nation if your nation sucks at like education, right? Then you'd be like, hey, look at those guys. They don't suck. Why don't we do what they do, right? Yeah. That, even Because that, even that is competitive in some way it is and better than someone just act of trying to be better than yourself trying to be as good as someone who is better that is a form of competitiveness i mean i I would say i would agree with that and i think that you can be competitive about things that shouldn't be inherently competitive and what i'm thinking about is when you told me about sweden's response to the pandemic where sweden was like yeah you know what we think yeah that ma- they, like closing things and doing mask mandates is does infringe on like civil liberties and just be in freedom in general. And so they didn't do any quarantines or anything. And then their country had a massive outbreak. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> all the countries around them didn't. You guys were able to go to, you know, sports events and stuff over the last summer and yeah. was busy, you know, buying extra Bernie. body bags. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Uh, when, I, when like, there's just always a silver lining in every disaster, right? Like, even World War II, the silver lining is we got some great movies out of it. Also, uh, we advanced healthcare in ways that would have taken decades longer because doctors had to improvise stuff. Now, I'm not saying were those lives worth the medical advancements, no, but you know, not Nazi doctors did experiments that no what? one else would do for really good reasons, and you know the the fruits of their labor did did uh, well. I mean, they were fruitful. 
But uh, one thing I think is nice about the Sweden thing, and I'm not saying that was nice at all, obviously. One thing I do think is nice is that whenever I've gotten into an argument with someone about like uh, Corona restrictions, right? Yeah. There's always someone who's like, well, why do we even do this? Like, there's no one sick here. Why are we doing this? I'm like, well, you know, we're doing this because there's no one sick here. It's working. <laughs> so they're like, well, it could have worked anyways. We're so few people. And it's like, yeah, Sweden's not that much more than us. And look at them. Yeah. And, and they so, were just a mess. And, and it was a competitive thing is they were saying we are more liberal than everybody else. So Sweden always does that and they always bite them in the ass. <laughs> so that that's a recurring theme theme for them yeah yeah they like they they do want to be the most liberal of the scandinavian countries they 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 want to lead on that yeah uh it's like the famous malmo thing too you have that as well right what's the famous malmo thing oh malmo is like a city in sweden that's uh well i mean there's conflicting accounts on how uh, terrible the situation is but it definitely is shitty, right? It's it's turned into uh, this. Uh, uh, I hate buzzwords, but it's like a it's like a Sharia law light area, right? Okay. Yeah, essentially, like there was a whole mess. Like people can correct me on this if my timeline's not correct, but as far as I understand it, essentially what happened was with the Syrian like whole you know, disaster. The refugee crisis? Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, there was like a lot of countries uh, needing to take them in. And Sweden took in a bunch, which was, you know, a very good thing to do. Uh, but obviously, they're from a completely different culture. Uh, they have a different view on women. Uh, and of course, you're getting like, you're not getting the most educated or like you're getting refugees, right? You're getting a lot of poor people and yeah, poor it's, people it's a mix of everything. Yeah, right. So it's it's it's, it's going to be a whole thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, it, it it takes time to acclimatize to like a new culture. Uh, so crime obviously increased because a lot of new poor, uneducated people arrive, uh, and you know it's a different uh, different view on women like women in syria they don't dress the way women in sweden do uh so obviously uh ah, i'll just say it a, a lot more rape happened okay like there was a lot more rape happening for a while uh and i you know sweden just kind of tried to like brush that under the like carpet kind of like pretend it wasn't because of the refugee crisis oh that turned into like a thing where uh, they suddenly decided to hide uh, like ethnicity from crime statistics. Oh, right? no. Yeah. So they decided to do that. Uh, and then like the rape thing was going through the roof, right? Still, it was, of course, those, you're not going to not report those. I mean, that would not be very liberal. Right. Uh, but, um, yeah, so essentially it became like, a, oh, guys in Sweden are raping a lot more people. But it, it could be the Swedes too. You can't just say it's the immigrants, you know? Yeah. And uh, I mean, you shouldn't because then you end up with like some orange president, but uh, no offense. Um, well, that's, that's the same COVID argument when you say, well, five, you know, half a million Americans died to COVID during, you know, 2020. Yeah. People will say, but, you know, what about car crashes? What about, you know, that yeah. doesn't matter. Yes, people still died. But extra people died, and we can yeah. track that when you compare that base to the baseline, which is previous years. You know that every year X number of Americans die, and this year half a million plus more died. And like, I want I, I want to add that I, I understand the whole thinking behind it too, right? I understand the thinking. You don't want uh, like this this turn of events to lead to increased racism, which is always a risk right yes so i understand why they wanted to like kind of not focus too much on oh immigrants are raping our women but they they really went the wrong way they really tried to like they they tried to be a little bit too liberal about it i think and essentially they shot themselves in the foot created some kind of weird war between men and women instead uh and then 
some police guy, I think, came out, uh, or some statistician guy. I don't fucking know what his job was, but he, he was from he was working for the government. Yeah. He came out and revealed that now the rapes they they are like we have been hiding these numbers and they are because of the immigration crisis. He was immediately fired, obviously, because you know he's going against what he's like his own government's uh, currently doing. Yeah. Uh, but that created like a whole friction between uh, the Swedes and the 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 refugees, right? Yeah. Uh, and that friction was always going to be there because you can't avoid it. It's new people coming, right? Sure. But after the whole mess had happened, that just kind of like then you had like built up like a dam and you just broke it for no reason right so that turned into a shit fest uh and uh then like people started throwing grenades in cars like not to kill each other like they only parked cars that had no people in it but they were blowing up cars in protests right I, i don't even know how you get a grenade like Sweden is right nearby. How the hell do they get a grenade? I can't get a grenade. From Russia. I, I, I blame Russia. <laughs> yeah, of course it's somebody the Russians. Swedes. Uh, I always blame it. Russia. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, the whole thing, it turned into a shit fest. Uh, and, you know, racism got turned up to 11, as it would happen. Uh, and it could all have been prevented if they had just done it differently. I, I'm not going to say how they could have done it, but what they did was really not smart. And now Malmö is essentially like, like the police are afraid to enter one of the towns of Sweden because it's basically like enemy territory. I'm exaggerating. Obviously, I, I don't know that that's a fact. That's just some pe- people say it. Yeah. I would like, again, this podcast is called Moot. Do not use me as a source for viable fucking information. I will be so disappointed in you if you do. Same. But. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Malmö is uh, it's uh, famous for a reason now. I think that taps into something else too, because when somebody's competitive, and I know this for a fact, after when somebody's competitive, they will dig their heels in rather than admit fault first. That's usually what that's usually the first reaction to it, because you know, if you're playing a board game and. Yeah a rule isn't specified in a manual and the two people who the decision affects the most are in disagreement about what the rule is saying. Usually there isn't like an honest discussion to read the rules as literally as possible to, to get the meaning, although there can be. Usually one person is digging down and saying, no, 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 because they know if that rule is interpreted the right way, perhaps they will lose. <laughs> so, or when people are arguing, you see people arguing, you can tell sometimes when somebody has lost the argument and they still keep going anyway to try to yeah. save face. Like they'll I, change I, the I, subject. I've been known to do that. <laughs> well, I think, I think everybody's done it. I know I have. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I know because I'm competitive sometimes I'll kind of make it more joking to let them know I know I've lost, but I refuse to admit that admit that I have. So <laughs> I just make my arguments more and more ridiculous and see how long it takes for them to stop arguing with me. Like, oh, he's not he's not doing this anymore. Um, yeah. And that is that is probably, especially if I don't really care about the argument too much. Like if, it, if it's a real argument, if it's two people in in total disagreement, I'll just talk to them. But if it's not, and it usually is a difference of opinion or something, I like to just keep it going. I don't know. It's not a good habit. <laughs> no, but it is fun. It is fun. And I think, I think what, you, what you, you know, as you've been saying, this is just human behavior. Yeah. It's, uh, the thing is, I, I maintain that evolutionary biology can explain basically all the weird shit people do. Like, why is there racism, right? Like, well, for these reasons. Yeah. Uh, like, you, you, evolutionary biology will always give you an answer, basically. And you might not like the answer, but it'll give you an answer. And I, I think, I think that's useful because how are we going to improve if we don't know the root cause, right? Yeah. You know, when we did our episode on primal instinct, I had, I was trying to make the point at the very end of that episode about the superorganism and how. 
Oh, yeah, I remember that. I actually been thinking about that uh, lately with uh, people and comparing us more and more to ants. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, uh, oh, God, yeah, yeah. If you haven't, haven't listened to that episode, you really should. That is an interesting episode. I think I think that was a fun that was a fun episode. Yeah, it was we some cool stuff. But the, like I was making the point about the superorganism in that one because, you know, at a certain point, I think that evolution has to get has to we have to wait for evolution to catch up before we can socially move as a more cohesive unit, because, yeah. and, and I think that's inevitable. I, I honestly think a lot of the fight between conservatives or conservative ideas and liberal ideas and not necessarily in america because america's gotten polarized and extreme but Mm -hmm. just the general fight of conservative-minded thinking and progressive-minded thinking i actually think that's a push and pull between like individual tribalism and like global uniformness and i don't think well, I think globalism is a positive, and I think the things you need to do to adopt a more caring and empathetic worldview where you're taking more people into consideration, I think you have to evolve beyond tribalism or saying we've done it this way forever, we're you know, we're gonna keep doing it this way, which really that argument to me isn't too useful because just saying, well, this is human nature we're competitive, we're, you know, or men, you know, when, when men get, try to, when inevitably some thing comes up about like a me too thing and the, the, there's an argument to brush off, you know, a victim's remarks by saying, oh, well, it's boys being boys, it's locker room talk, it's this or that. That is basically saying, well, we've evolved this far but we can't evolve any further. This is as good as it gets. And I don't think that's true. I think we can keep evolving past some of these things. It's going to take a while. And I think that a cohesive society where people generally respect one another is still a long way off because we have to keep evolving. And I think it's evolving toward a superorganism where you know, a person in Bangladesh is aware of somebody in Brazil is aware of somebody in Europe. I think I would agree with at least most of what you said. Although I, I do think it is a terrifying prospect, the whole super organism thing. Uh, because, I don't know, man. It's like being an ant in an anthill. It doesn't seem great. <laughs> it's, it is scary. I think it's scary. I think it's scary in the sense, when you watch a sci-fi movie, you know, everybody, you go to like a planet and they show some nondescript planet with, everybody's wearing the same thing Seinfeld has a funny joke where he goes you know why is it when you watch these like Martian movies everybody's got the same exact outfit they all look the same they <laughs> yeah. all, you know like there's no it's all like the single piece silver suit <laughs> at oh, what yeah, point did their society weird. say okay this is what we all wear now <laughs> yeah you know I, I, I uh, on Netflix uh, the other day uh, the other day no week uh i was watching a bunch of like star trek like the the original series the one from the 60s right mm-hmm. uh partly because i think that's really interesting but i also have kind of i i got i got i got i got a fondness for like 60s style tv you know where they use the instrumental music extremely bad overacting and they zoom in on your face for dramatic moments i think that's just great uh, <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. You know. uh, but but yeah like you, you notice that I, I think it could be the superorganism thing you're saying but i think it could also just be lazy writers i think like they they're going for uh oh in the future people will look like this this planet of people look like this it's just because uh that's a that's another people like uh if you if you're going to make a stereotype about Norwegians and what we look like you might put us in a lot of wool clothes right <laughs> yeah. so then we all look like yeah we all look like people in red wool clothes uh, and I think I think it is basically it they make a planet Pluto the people on planet Pluto they gotta wear something sciencey okay what's sciencey metal is sciencey okay they got silver jumpsuits 
uh, they all wear the same thing because they're from the same planet. They're the same people, you know. That's the thing. Sci-fi is really bad at understanding that another planet would have the exact same level of cultural variety that we do. I and, and I do. I, I that is the practical explanation, and I agree hundred percent. It's just laziness on the part of the writers, but. In terms of thinking about a superorganism and moving toward, because competition is what it's, it, Darwinism is laced with competition. Evolution is laced with competition. And so yeah. I think one of the big differences between Americans and Norwegians, I think, is that Americans are much more concerned with that. They're much more preoccupied with the idea that they will all be wearing the the silver jumpsuit like i think that they see europe that way and a lot of people and i think that there's a fear that individuality will get stamped out that yes maybe we'll all learn to care for each other but that will destroy the the personal autonomy of each person oh i know like the death of individuality yeah and and in america that's like you know, freedom fries, like the word freedom fries comes from somewhere and it's that fear. You know, you yeah, don't that's a, that's a really interesting like observation fries. right there. Speaking of, uh, speaking of uh, American mentality and fry, um, <laughs> I want to bring up a thing that, you know, Stephen Fry? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, comedian. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's a comedian. He's a fucking idol is what he is. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he said a really interesting thing once because... Americans, now that is a special race of people. Um, like you guys, and I'm speaking generally, of course, yeah, are really like innovative and optimistic, you know, like uh, that whole like we can do anything attitude. Like, it, there, there's an interesting thing Fry said, uh, about that that also ties kind of to like evolution in, the, in a sense that the reason why the American people is so optimistic and gung-ho about you know being number one and you know trying new shit and stuff like that uh to be because the people who dared to dream you know like the dreamers the people who weren't just happy with their lot in life the people who wanted something great and awesome and better mm-hmm. those were the ones who you know had had the cojones to actually get up on those fucking boats travel for a few months across the empty ocean and then try for a new life over there. And of course, those genes passed along, right? Yeah. Like the optimist genes. Well, not just like the, the people, genes, but the, the, the people who, who had ha, like, were just like, oh, well, fuck it. Let's just, let's just stay here and do what we can do with what we got. That's like the people who stay behind, right? But all the optimists and the dreamers and all that people, those people, they, they were the ones who got on the boat and said, okay, let's try the new world. Yes. And I think I don't want to do the thing where I like belittle the, the, the systemic and God awful genocide of the native Americans by saying, Oh, it's Americans being competitive. Um, <laughs> because no, no, of course. <laughs> but uh, I mean that, yeah, I mean, that is, you're not belittling shit. I mean, that is, that is, it's pretty fucking awful what happened. But that is definitely a, comp- a competition going on there. Yes, oh. and I think I think Americans are have an outsized sense of competition and aggression that yeah. stems back to the very beginning. You know, they, they did they allied with whoever it didn't matter to to you know means to an end. Yeah, I you know the French helped us in the Revolutionary War. They had their revolution and we promptly turned around and gave them the middle finger and made excuses like, we don't know who's leading you. So we're not going to honor our, you know, packs. <laughs> such a scummy thing to do. And yeah. And, uh, and the, the westward expansion thing, they're, they're just hundreds of stories of people befriending Native Americans or paying them to protect them or whatever, and then selling them out when it was convenient. And yeah, like isn't that isn't that what happened on Thanksgiving? Like, you know, like the 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 I don't know Mayflower or whatever. The first pilgrims, they were all being like killed by the winter, and then then the Indians said like, no no, let, let me show you how to eat corn. 
and they had like a great feast together and they were buddies up until the pilgrims went like no fuck you yeah essentially i mean they they uh they traded with them they gave them food they showed them how to plant food um they got other things uh we got other things from them too i I don't remember how 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 exactly did that work out like oh obviously i know how it worked out but was it like the season after they just betrayed them or was it like a generation later uh the ungrateful kids betrayed them was it like the same people that were saved that actually stabbed them in the back no well sort of it depends i don't know about the people that had the first thanksgiving like how that went down but i can give you a sense like a timeline okay Um, because just it it just shocks me that you can land in like basically for for you're you're on a new planet essentially right this was the new world they are on a new planet as far as they're concerned and you meet the locals who literally save you from death right they they invite you to their world they take you in they protect you they teach you and then like i cannot imagine anyone just turning on them after going through that it, like it just seems so on because the thing about history like you've been always whenever there's like some bad people in history like historical empathy i cannot imagine people are just assholes for the sake of it like something must happen right so there there's there, it was a combination of things like anything else it's it's complicated so it was a combination of things so starting with the timeline it was one of those things where they the colonists had to kind of get their foothold and as they had a bigger presence on the eastern coast they got bolder and the bolder they got the more they kind of screwed the indians out of their land the native americans out of their land so the first thanksgiving was in 1621 so you know columbus yeah. sailed you know 1492 by 1621 130 years had passed and now europe is actively colonizing and um it was to celebrate the very first harvest and so from 1621 to about the late 1700s early 1800s it took that amount of time for americans to spread and kind of nestle comfortably uh up against like the mississippi river and the smoky mountains area like west of the mississippi or west of the mountains there was off limits for a while so so you know trade started small like we'll take some of this land you already have so much land and then we'll give you like furs and guns and whiskey and stuff and you guys like just kind of step back and then they would like build a new city and sometimes they just wouldn't tell them they're going to build that city there, even though it was an important hunting ground. Or they would, uh, you know, trade something big. They'd bring like a lot of like stuff and say, "Well, is this worth like territory for you?" Other times, there were the, didn't the Indians also have like a, a whole different concept? Like at least some tribes have different concepts of like land ownership, like the Sioux tribes and those tribes. Because I, I, I mean to remember that, like, they got kind of screwed out of a deal on, like, Manhattan. Like, they, they, they traded for beads because they didn't understand the concept of land ownership. It was so alien to them. Yes. Yeah, that, that, was, that, that happened a lot, especially as they moved further west. Because west, the, the Plains Indians had a lot of, uh, you know, they, they were mobile. They didn't, so they would follow, like, herds yeah, they were nomads right hunting yeah so they would move around more and they had less people staying put whereas like in the northeast you had people who were building like you know wigwams and longhouses and different types of structure role things like communal and if you went really down south to like south america they built empires <laughs> well the iroquois empire was huge there were some there were some native american empires oh, up here yeah. you know the the the, the incan empire right that is one of the largest empires uh, ever. It's actually the largest empire ever that did not have a currency. Interesting. They were completely like trade-based. That's cool. Incans. It's, it, whoever was near Peru. I think that was the Incans. Let me ask you a question. Right? So go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Ask me. 
Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So do you think this is, this is something I've always wondered about. Do you think that uh, using money to exchange goods and services is more competitive inherently than just the exchange of goods and services and why? Mm, Let me get, let me think about that for a second. Um, Also, didn't you have like some kind of ignorant question you wanted to ask me? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I want to, I want to hear what that is because I'm excited about that. (laughs) I'm trying to remember what it was because I was like an hour ago. (laughs) Um, Uh, I think, I think, yeah, I think it is. I absolutely think it is. Because when you trade uh, goods for goods, uh, you're only trading what you don't need for what you need. When you're trading money, you're suddenly accumulate an abstract resource that lets you get anything you want. You're no longer trading for need. You're you're suddenly trading for greed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not saying you have to do. This. You, could, you could literally be one of those people who only use money for whatever the hell you need. You don't stockpile money like me, which is why I'm broke all the time. But uh, the thing is like this, this gives you a whole new avenue of trading. Cause sure you could be like, you could be a greedy fucking like mammoth tusk trader too, right? Like I have all the pelts and tusks in, in the world and I'm stockpiling them. But you know, then you have a space issue. You know, even if you're only trading like stockpiling diamonds, you know, you still have a stock, like an issue after a while because you need all the other things to, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, then let me ask. Well, I guess you're you're still turning into it. So my question was going to be my follow up to that was going to be like, China had and Japan had the koku, which was I'm not pronouncing it right, but it's essentially rice. Like one koku equals like five bushels of rice, and so a daimyo mm-hmm. or a local lord might have. A whole, would would pay people in rice essentially their feed, their meals as opposed to money um but it was treated yeah, well, as that, money that so is still entering that abstract resource territory where now because yeah, it stands for something more than money. rice yeah it's just money yeah it's, uh, it's just money it's, it doesn't make a difference like uh our money is also like uh you know it, like when you have a i, I don't know if the I've heard they changed the gold standard. I don't know what the hell that is, but as far as I understand, uh, the money in England at least used to be uh, uh, like if you had like uh, I can't remember what their old unit of money is. If the, if you had one money, if you had one money, that meant that you had one unit of the country's grain supply. Hmm. So you traded that money for the country's grain supply. Right, like you would say, this is I have claimed to so much of my king's grain. Yeah, uh, I will give you my claim to the grain in exchange for whatever the hell you're selling. Um, and then later we changed from grain to gold, uh, which ca- kind of added like a double layer of abstractness to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I, 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 they, they they found a reason for why they did that. I'm not an economist. Um, and uh, funny in Fallout. The bottle caps are really like uh, they 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 are the claim to the water of the world. Okay. So it's actually the, the bottle cap system in Fallout literally works. Like that is not just a random money system. It makes perfect sense. Okay. Yeah, I saw a shoddy cast video on it. I think that's where I heard the bushels of grain thing too. Yeah, before uh, Fallout seventy six came out, some guy sent a whole bunch of or no fallout it was fallout 4 before fallout 4 mm-hmm. some guy had collected bottle caps for years and sent this massive stockpile of bottle caps to who, who yeah. makes it bethesda yeah bethesda yeah i remember that story and he they got to buy buy the game with bottle caps yeah they gave him a free copy for for the sending it in yeah <laughs> which i thought was kind of funny no, it's hilarious. They also immediately made the statement that they will not accept more bottle caps in exchange for games, and I thought that was very wise of them. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. I know I have like a stockpile of like random bottle caps in my garage just because you know, like we used to have friends that lived around here, and uh, when the kids were younger, they, the people would come over and we'd have like parties and stuff, and you know, the kids would but be you, at their grandparents' house. You had a question for me, and I really want that question. You see. Before we started recording, Jeremy said he wanted to ask me a question, but he was a little worried he was going to sound ignorant. 
<laughs> I don't think because Jeremy is not an ignorant guy, he's pretty fucking smart. Oh, uh, that's not true. But on the off chance that what he has to say makes him sound just a little bad, I desperately want it on air because it's about time he sounded ignorant too. It can't just be me. <laughs> no, you no. So you're gonna kill me. I don't remember what the question was. I am gonna kill you. How dare you? Oh goddamn it! What was it about? God, we were talking about Norway. We were, we were, and then we were, we were starting to talk about competitive things, and it was something related to Norway, and I don't remember. Okay, okay. So I really want to know what this was, but we do kind of have to like wrap up soon. That's um, that's fine. But that does not mean he gets off. <laughs> if I, I if I remember, I'll write it down. I make sure, I'll make sure to write it down. You, I'll make sure to ask yeah. him in a future episode. Excellent, excellent, excellent. That was what I was going to suggest. Uh, I am so grateful for that. Thank you. <laughs> also, I want to just say that I am not a competitive person, even though this entire episode may have meant that may, may may have made it sound like I really am, because I'm just very frustrated by like Jeremy in video games. What? what I'm what not is- competitive. Really not. Even though it sounds like I'm really. Like, it's it's literally I I'm not competitive I am petty. It's oh. different. <laughs> it's worse. <laughs> uh, I am not aggressive. I am passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very very uh, aggressive and passive. I'm not ag- I'm not as aggressive as I used to be. I'm better about. Like, I used to, like, I grew up in a, in a household with a lot of yelling, so I kind of got used to being aggressive about things, and I had to detox that over my whole life, essentially. But the competition thing never went away. I had this friend, I met him in first grade, his name was also Joe, and he he was my best friend until high school, and we just, you know, we kind of, like, drifted apart, then he moved to Florida, and we stopped, which, which that was a, a shame. Um, but we we were best friends from the time very first day of class we went out to recess and we started challenging each other to see who could like we were doing like wind sprint like racing to different parts of the playground and seeing who could jump higher off of this the swing set and so within the matter of like two hours on the first day of first grade i've befriended this 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 joe and he made me into such a competitive person it was ridiculous like we, we would be eating breakfast and, and I would be interested to hear his side of the story to see if like maybe I spurred him on and made him more competitive too. But he grew up in a house with six kids and he had a bunch of brothers. And so they were always like going, like going. And they were all, they all had tons of energy. I remember going to their house and feeling like totally outclassed. I couldn't keep up. And, you know, he, he we would be eating cereal and he would, he, he would make things into a game like you have to read the instructions while eating the cereal. You have to read all the instructions out loud and finish your cereal first to win. And it just reminds me of watching Scrubs when Turk's like, we're going to play steak. We see who eats our steak first. He's like, I just paid a bunch of money for the steak. I'm not going to race you. And then he immediately starts racing him. Like that's how our friendship was all the time. A hundred percent of the time. It was just always on. That's the thing, though. If someone starts racing you, it doesn't matter whether or not you're consented to the race. You know you're in it. So let me let me ask you that. What's the what's the cutoff for competitiveness? Because I've gotten you to play along sometimes, even though I know sometimes maybe you're an unwilling participant because I'm just like way more into it than you are. Like Joe Joe had done this thing where he's like, "Let's try to get the most traits on a character in Warhammer." So if you like kill a certain like a, a a special character in Warhammer, you get a trait and it gives you bonuses. And every major character gives it has these traits they give away. Yeah, I, th- I thought it could be a fun competition for us to do because uh, it's basically headhunting, right? You're just traveling the world hunting these different leaders of the factions. Yeah. And to me, that was like kind of a low-key kind of like competitive thing because I know he likes competition and, you know, I like it too. But, you know, if we, were, if we had to like play optimized in a way, I would just not be interested. Like I have to have fun with the competition. If I saw do anything like that then i'm like ugh, uh, whatever you know i'll do more else I but th- this I way i could just about however, however i want it, right huh 
Oh, go finish what you're going to say. I just, I feel bad, bad about that. Oh. Feel bad about what? That, because you, you had, you had extended this competition to me. And the first thing I did was immediately started trying to make ground rules. Like it's got to be on the same difficulty. We've got to start at the same time. We've got to finish at the same time. We've got to look at all these things because yeah. you, yeah. You were both playing random <laughs> games on different difficulties. And you're like, oh, let's just see how far we can get by the end of the month. It's like, no, no, let's start a new game. It's got to be on the same thing. And like, I started immediately setting up rules to make it yeah. as fair of a competition as possible. So that way there could be no like yeah. excuses. Yeah, I was never going to, I was never going to participate in the competition fully. Like I, I just thought ah, in this game, if I don't start a new game, I'm probably going to travel the world and kill as many leaders as possible. Uh, so I thought that could be like a fun thing, but I, I no illusions about winning it. <laughs> I just thought that could be a fun thing. And it would also, you know, it, it would keep me from starting a new campaign because then I would have like a mission to do even when I had built like my empire into like critical mass. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like a proper competition with rules and stuff. That's like, uh, it's a little bit too intense for me. Yeah. You know? Uh yeah, basically. I like turning off items and banning certain stages in Smash Brothers to make it fair. So I'm, I'm that person. And yeah, that way it's, it's, it's as an even playing field as possible. So let I me just, ask you about I just say Link and then I'm happy. Oh, he's, yeah, he's fun. I like him. Yeah, he's cool. Just because Legend of Zelda is cool. Yeah. What is what what what's the what's the competitive cutoff then? Like if if you say if someone starts racing you, you're gonna get dragged in anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm you know I'm still human. I'm still <laughs> I'm gonna get dragged in, right? So what 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 then? What would you say is the cutoff for competitiveness? Like you look at somebody and say that's a competitive person, because oh. I would feel a non-competitive person wouldn't race. They'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. You can't force me to. Uh, I guess, I guess, I guess I'm lying if I say I'm completely non-competitive because that I'm not, right? I, I, I think it's you know, it's competition is fun. Yeah. But I think every guy is like that. I think every person is like that. Uh, I think guys get more intense. You do? Yeah, I think definitely, definitely, guys get more intense with competitions. Yeah. Because I, I think that's again evolutionary biology. Uh, I'm not much of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Very intense in competitions. Uh, I, I mean, I'm just generally intense, but more hearted. Um, yeah, I, th- I guess I would say it's a competitive guy if you're like at the point where you're like fighting through the pain. You know, like it, it's no longer fun. You're just doing it because you want to win. Oh, yeah, that's. Yeah. Like, obviously, obviously, that could be fun for someone. You know, like, the only thing that is fun is the act of winning. But if that is it, then I would still say you're pretty fucking competitive. Like, whether you're having fun or not doesn't really matter if winning is all that matters there, you know? Yeah. Because uh, if, if you don't get, like, if you need the, the win to enjoy it, like, you can't, you don't get a substantial amount of, like, just, in, like, intrinsic fun from the activity itself. You're only doing it for the for the victory point. Then I would say that's a competitive person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a very good definition because that describes when I realized my wife and I are very different people. You know, she's very calm and she's 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 got poise. She's got she can she she's not competitive at all. She can get competitive. That is a, I think that is a cure against divorce in your guys case it probably can be it de- <laughs> like i think that that might have you know it might help <laughs> um, but she's she's made me less competitive because i've noticed that when we started hanging out like after our daughter was born because when we were in college there's you don't really really you can have fun without relaxing because there's not a lot of relaxing environments in a college environment but <laughs> You know, we had our daughter and then like the first year went by, which was chaotic and hectic. And, you know, you're home with a with an infant. That's that's not relaxing either. So it's it, hell, isn't it? It's not hell, but it's hard. 
I wouldn't describe it as hell, but I will say it is it is a challenge because you're just so sleep deprived all the time and you can't spoken not, like a parent. You, <laughs> you can't not do something, right? So like even if you have your mm-hmm. job, there are certain tasks that maybe you can put off a few days or maybe you can do this tomorrow or whatever. But if you have a child, you just can't not ever. You know, so it's 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 always being on and that, that part's tough. So it was when the when Evelyn got like a year or two older and, and Sarah and I were able to spend more time together without the constant like infant demands, um, I noticed that I didn't know how to relax because for me it's free time isn't necessarily about relaxing, it's about accomplishing things. So I like I, I'm a very goal oriented person. So even if I'm not doing something that's actively competitive, I still am trying to accomplish stuff, and uh, and I don't feel I don't like feeling like I've wasted time. And so it, I I found it very difficult, and I still do, to just sit down and just watch a movie and just say, you know what, for the next two hours I'm just going to watch a movie. I don't do that very often, and I realize it's because. I don't even notice when a competition becomes painful, like that, that threshold you're describing, like, oh, to keep going is, it's not about enjoying it anymore. I don't think for a while, I think my brain just didn't enjoy it in the first place. It was the competitive aspect that, that appealed to me. So I just, I would never notice when someone else wasn't having fun because I was making it not fun by being over competitive. So... Uh. I don't know. I, I, uh, so, I don't sorry, know. I, I, I was I was doing another thing there, but you know I will edit the episode, so I will actually listen. <laughs> 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 sorry. Okay, let me just throw a key out the window. Okay. <laughs> hey, there we go. There we go. That's fine. I mean, we yeah. we've recorded we've recorded probably forty hours of episode. If to have forty hours where we don't get distracted or look something up in the middle is is you know. It's gonna pretty happen. insane. It's pretty insane. We don't have that though. I get distracted all the time. I just hide it better than I did now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Well, I got uh, I got uh, a visitor coming over. So uh, yeah, this is a good time. To, this is a good time to. Yeah. Normally we ask each other, you know, like you have anything more to say, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> Um, well, I just want to say that I have more than you to say, so. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I recognize that insult. <laughs> All right, okay, okay. I'll talk to you later. Um, that's the way I hang up. That's not what I'm supposed to say. You're supposed to say something now. Yeah, so I just want to say that this has been Moot. Please follow us on Twitter at the Moot Podcast and visit us at the Moot subreddit. Thank you. Ah, it's okay.